Hi, this is Lane McCall. Welcome to Let's Explore. On this episode, I am hanging out with Nathan Isaacs. Nathan is a musician and a worship leader. Um, if you've never been involved in uh, worship, it's more than just listening to music. There's a when you worship from the depths of your being and you connect to a loving God that way, there's something that it, it, it can just change you from the inside out. And that's some of the most growth and most liberty I've ever experienced throughout my 20 years of walking with this God have been through worship and worship music. But um, the, the services that I was in with Nathan were literally some of the best I've ever been in, in the, in the sense of the atmosphere and the it was amazing. It's hard to put that into words. And if you've experienced something like that, you know what I'm talking about. So you're about to hear a conversation between uh, Nathan and myself and hope you enjoy. How'd you first get into music? Um, my family, both sides, my mom, my dad, both sides of their family were musicians. So my mom was, um, her mom taught her piano and her brothers and sisters piano and they all sang and so my mom was like five years old and singing in a trio with her sister and her brother and they were on tv local tv singing on gospel television when she was a kid and so that they were ever since i can remember that side of the family was kind of playing and singing and then my dad's side was the same way he didn't grow up in church but he had you know a rock band and junior high and that kind of thing and they played dances and they were called the worms and they did all stuff so him and his brothers and his cousins they all played and sing so when we grew up me and my brothers um grandma forced us into piano lessons so we were young and taking piano and then just from there it kind of branched out to dad taught us the first three chords and you know, turned us loose on guitar and that kind of thing. So everybody just kind of branched out into what they were going to do and what they were what they were doing. So I played drums quite a bit coming up and then, like, would sing from the drum kit and that kind of thing and do that for a while. And then I just got okay enough at guitar to kind of write some songs from guitar. And I was good enough at keys to write songs from keys. And um, I don't know, I don't play drums much anymore, but no. the, that's what I was doing. Does your does your family still like your brothers? Do you have a sister? Nope, two brothers. Two brothers. Do they still do music as well? Yeah, yeah. So we play together quite a bit. So when we're down here, some sometimes they both come with me, or they've they've been down here. So we do still record albums together once in a while, and we played in the band together for a while, like signed to a small label and just toured around everywhere and did rock music everywhere. And so they're both. Uh, scientist now, but one's got his degree in classical guitar performance, so he's real good at guitar, you know, and the other one's a drummer. Did you, like, when you were young and you're growing up with a musical family, like, I, I never knew any musical families, like, as I was young, it was mostly people do, you know, normal jobs, business, whatever they do, and, um, but I've heard a lot of and it seems like you can see pockets of families that grow up in music and there's some sort of 
connection with the family around music, was it, it just must've seemed like a natural thing for you, I guess, to be in that environment because that's kind of what your, your parents created. Yeah. In the childhood, my, um, mom would play some keys and sing with my dad and my dad would play acoustic and he just led worship everywhere that we were at. So growing up, it was uh, kind of a combined thing of music was always a part of what the family was doing and it was always combined with what God was doing and, you know, what we were doing together with church family. So watched my parents do that for a long time and it just kind of became a natural progression and they never really forced anything or... um, you know, like I said, it was my grandma making us learn piano. Like my mom never said, oh, you're going to take piano. My dad never said, I'm going to teach you to play guitar. It was always just a, if it happens, it happens. I mean, they they weren't really hands-on or forceful in any of that. So music was always, for the most part, just kind of joy for us. So mm-hmm. I think that's why we, we gravitated to it, because they weren't making us do it, you know? Yeah. So there wasn't a lot of pressure to do it or to be involved in it. It was just, um, I remember there's a preacher out in Arizona. Her name was Iverna Tompkins. And uh, so my dad was a worship leader for her kind of ministry. She's like a worldwide ministry. And so he would lead at all her conferences. And we were real little, me and my brothers. And so I don't even remember it, but she gave him a prophetic word at the at an event and was like, you're going to write songs and this is what they're going to do. And so she was giving them this word and she said, you and your sons will follow after you, Mm. praising and worshiping God. Mm. So he's like, we just kind of held, you know, what he said, we just kind of held on to that word and didn't worry about, you know, the other things. So I'm pretty, pretty blessed to not have, you know, the house be a pressure cooker for yeah you know intensity and you have to do this and that kind of stuff yeah absolutely what so when you when you hear you know some people maybe have I remember being young um, in high school and my mom told me um, something that happened to her she was the spiritual one of the family the rest of us just did whatever I guess and um, she told me a story about being, she's traveling and she's on one plane and uh, God spoke to her and she wrote it down in her Bible and he said, rest now, I'm going to need you. So she, she kind of just hung out on the plane and rested. And the next plane she was on, she happened to sit next to a lady that was mentally challenged and very nervous about the flight. And so my mom sat next to her and basically comforted her for the three and a half hour ride and just and at the end of the flight, she, she, A, was exhausted and B, like the, the stewardesses were just thanking her and everyone was knew what she had done. And when she told me that story, I remember being in high school and I was shocked that God would actually speak to someone and, and have it happen because I grew up in a, with a concept that God was far away and not really that interested in what was happening down here. So when you say you were young and a lady gave a prophetic word. What, what, what's that do for you? I guess having and seeing it play out and living in a realm where 
God's real and interested and here and speaking, has that always just been part of your life from being young and growing up? Yeah, <clears throat> we were part of, um, I guess, part of my family heritage too on my mom's side is uh, her grandpa was a church planner. It's like the first Assembly of God church in Arizona. I think he planted it and he planted several. He was a pioneer um, in sort of the charismatic movement. So the churches we attended, even though today they would be looked at as denominational or whatever, uh, at the time we weren't in, we were in Assembly of God church uh, that I grew up in the earliest church I remember being in, but there was no, um, <clears throat> God was free to move. God was open to move, whether you were man or woman. Uh, there was life in the church. There was worship breaking out. There was move of the spirit, prophetic. I mean, I remember just service being interrupted all the time and God moving and prophetic words. And so that was a normal, like when the church gets together, this is what happens. Right. So for, for me, you know, when I was, if I would have been 12 or 13 and went and visited a strict denominational church and where God wasn't moving to me, that would have been, a, I wouldn't have understood that concept. Right. Or like if someone would have said, God doesn't speak to people, I've, that would have been foreign to me too, you know? <laughs> yeah. So I, but I, and I remember that was all happening, but he didn't let us get lost in that everyone else was doing it. I was, you know, we were, I was talking to God. I was seeing things in the service that were supernatural, that were between me and him. So even though it was happening all around me, and I was like, yeah, I know it's real, there were also things I remember of where, like, he did this for me and mm -hmm. showed me that, hey, I'm looking at you too, and I'm, you, you know. So there was, by the time I was, you know, a young teenager, it was too, you couldn't come convince me that God wasn't speaking or willing yeah. to speak or doing something because it was too late to rob it from me. You know, he'd already, mm. he'd already shown me and talked to me about it. Mm. You know, what's interesting is that there is a reality to God that, you know, since my early days of, of high school and having that experience with my mom telling me that story, um, I've had too many encounters to, to even count, you get into the world of God and sort of embracing his reality and around people that do as well. And there are an incredible universe of experiences to have. Um, but God is not, some people get into an idea of they, they might reject God because they see things at church that happen a certain way. Like, us as people are at a certain place in our understanding, whether we're a part of a specific denomination, wherever we come from, whatever our, our experiences and our history and our, our beliefs are, that has, it's been really refreshing to know for me that that does not define God, but God, when we're open to him, simply will show up and work in the middle of, sometimes when we're even not open to him, to be honest. But he's just interested in getting into our lives any way he can. And so what, how do you see that, the difference between where we're at, if you're in, you, and you probably visit several churches because you do worship around, and I'm sure you run into people that believe different things along different lines. 
How do you see those two mixing, the reality of God versus where we're at as people? And how do you kind of reconcile those in your own life and experiences? Well, I think it's um, a lot. Of, a lot of times, God and the God, the God experience is relationship is an easy way to say it, and sometimes just overlooked and and run through like we have a relationship with God, and people think, oh yeah, it's not about religion; it's about relationship, and we say all those things. But I, you know, if you if if, if you and I were to go to Disneyland tomorrow separate and we just go into Disneyland and do our thing and then we come back and then somebody asks us what's Disneyland like mm-hmm. you know and then so wherever you spent the time on whatever impacted you that's what Disneyland's like oh it's long lines it's you know everyone's going to have a different perspective but we were all at Disneyland we were all had access to the same things we all had the ability to see the same things, but the reality of human nature interacting with God nature is that human nature is going to, however much of that human nature I grasp, it's what's going to shape and determine what of that God nature I experience. So learning to embrace God with his nature in me instead of the nature that I'm carrying into, you know, the, the old man that I'm trying to carry in so you could go to Disneyland and have a horrible time. You could go to Disneyland and have a great time. You're in the same place, access to the same things, but somebody's perspective that they've brought in has painted it one way and another person's perspective has painted it another way. One finds joy and the other finds strife and circumstance. So the reality of who people are and where they are at, the goodness of God is he meets us there, but the detriment to man is... He meets us there, and mm. and then we, you know, we have to deal with that. Like, do I still just like where I am and what I'm seeing, or do I want to deal with this? And then, so God's, God's so good, He'll just wait us out. Mm. You know, we can go in anytime we want, and still, and He's right there every time. Like, I'm still here. The Space Mountain's still here. You can go mm. get on it when you want, or you can complain about the ticket price, or you can complain about you know mm. all these things. But I'm still here. I'm going to be here every time. Mm. You can you can come. So usually, when my humanness is getting in the way, I just find he's got more time to wait than I do, and I eventually give in. He's going to wait me out mm. every time and not force me in. You know, you go in. They're not forcing you to do anything you don't want to do. Uh, they're just hey, if you want this, come get it. And that's the way God is. You know, when 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 you're ready, you can have it. That's that's so opposite from. How, you know, when I got involved in church as a younger man, it's very, it was very evangelical, like evangelistic, like you need to go witness to people on the street. It's, it's actually, I lived in Pensacola, Florida, and it's a very religious uh, community. There's 600 churches in a very, very small radius. I think it's the most dense population of churches in the country. But you would have just two blocks from where I went to church. There were people that would stand on the street corner every day with Bibles, wave the Bibles in the air and just shout at the passing cars. And sometimes they'd have signs like, you know, you're a sinner, you're going to hell, things like that. But what you're talking about is a much more relaxed approach and a very peaceful approach that of God just sitting back and saying, I've got time. Like I'm not going anywhere. 
you can run up against a wall all you want, or you can be frustrated with your problems all you want until you get to a point where, and sometimes I think he'll even help us get to that point. Like he'll sit back and let us go through things and then say, well, are you done yet? I'm still here. Is that sort of, that's a very opposite message to crusading an evangelical crusading. Like we've got to go save the lost. How does that impact you and, and sort of your worldview or your view on other people? And yeah, the, uh, the witnessing aspect, it's still, it's still his kindness that leads us to repentance. So anyone that leads us to repentance that's led is led by the kindness of God. So, you know, people, tr- a lot of times you attach the evangelism role to um, there's a emphasis on how crucial everything is and how time-sensitive everything is. Yeah. And so everything becomes amplified and multiplied in how important it is. Uh, you know, like time is short, you, you know, you, if you were to die tonight, did you know, you know, those kind of things, would you know where you would go? And um, you might say a prayer or you might respond to that because there's some need inside of you where you realize, yeah, I need God. But the only way to change your mind is through his kindness. And and the only way to have lasting change is if your mindset changes. So the response out of all of those other things, I mean, I've been out with youth groups and when I was a kid, we still did the things the best everybody knew how to do. So Mm -hmm. my youth pastor grabbed CDs and tore them up and told us, you know, don't listen to this and don't watch these movies and don't yeah. don't run with girls who do and all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. And then, and we go out and hand out tracks or, mm-hmm. you know, watch, I don't even remember the movies that horrified me about the rapture and those kind of things. And so everything has this emphasis of importance and how time sensitive it is and how you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And, you know, the good news is, is that uh, God honors, for some reason, all of that. You know, so some people do get born again in that, right. and then He's like, "Well, I was here, and I'll show you who I really am." Mm-hmm. You know, but the good news also is, is that some of those people involved in that—that's where God has them, mm-hmm. um, because they're not going to be able to get to the next place He has for them until they've been through this and done this and experienced this, and so. Some people, for whatever reason, the way they're wired and the way God has them wired is with that urgency and with that thing, but he's not hes not concerned. He's not worried about the things we're worried about, but he lets us be concerned about things, you know, right. for whatever reason. And uh, so I don't know, on the, on the, on the evangelization, uh, evangelization of the earth, it's important people come to Jesus, but it's also true evangelism is just living it out. Yeah. And so it's hard to it's hard to live it out in urgency. It's hard to live it out wow. in you know with your foot on the gas 100 miles an hour. Yeah. It's easy to evangelize street corner in urgency. Right. But if living the life is true evangelism, that's hard to do with urgency because no one wants that. Yeah. You, you live like this, you know. Right. <laughs> this is not, you know, it's different if you preach like this, but right. this is this is how you live. Right. I don't want that. So you have to live in the way 
they want to live, you mm. know. It's like uh, I wasn't going to be evangelized as a young man. Like I wasn't going to hear a message and say yes. I wanted to think for myself. I wanted to explore myself, and that's part of my personality as well. But I, uh, if you would have showed me a life of someone that's just you know, all they do is stand on a street corner and shout a message, whether that's a literal street corner or that's what their life looks like. I would want no part of that because me, I'm more interested in, I like art. I like music. I like movies. I like experience. I like travel. I like living, you know, that's, that's what I'm interested in. And I, I, I think at least when I was a younger man, a lot of TV evangelists and a lot of the way it's been done and the way it's been communicated has been an emphasis on this foot on the gas pedal sort of message that that I see now a lot of young people gravitating toward um, people that will just encourage their life. And I listen to people that will encourage, that aren't, wouldn't, they wouldn't call themselves a Christian. They wouldn't call themselves a believer in Jesus, but yet they, they speak things that would encourage me or anyone else to go do what's in my heart to do and do it well, do it with excellence and dedicate myself to something in a healthy way. And there's so much positivity in that. Um, just from a truth perspective, it's just interesting how the church really went a religious way and, and made it more about, you know, jumping through a hoop rather than God's in love with you and just wants to allow you to be yourself. I mean, you're a musician. Where does music come from for you? I mean, I would assume it doesn't come from a place of, let me just step on the gas and yell this as loud as I can. Yeah, no, I'm not one of the people who's written 5,000 songs. You know, mm. it just, it's, any song I write, I've got to have skin in it. It comes from life. And so there's no rush on that for me. And there's no, hey, we're going to do, I don't just put out album after album. I mean, some people can, and it is from real life, and that's all good. But for me, it's not, uh, it's out of joy to put out an album. It's out of joy that, Maybe somebody else even wants to hear it. And then if you have skin in the songs, then I know, all right, that's, I mean, this is a song that I put out that I wrote that's come from life experience. So that means um, it's a postmark of where I was in God on that day, what, what he was doing in me in that day. So it becomes like these signposts and instead of everything being rushed and like, all right, we got to have an album out by in six months, so we got to finish writing these songs. And then every part of a Christian's life, it's easy to just get wrapped up in that. And there's no there's no joy in rushing, you know, the Sistine Chapel. There's no joy right. in, in any of that. The joy of art is in actually doing it and, and living it. And then there is joy when people other people experience it when it's done, but the joy is also the process. And so if you overlook the process to just get to what you think is the end, that's a huge problem with most of Christianity. It's a journey of a relationship, and we put a goal on the end of everything. So the goal was heaven, or the goal was making the rapture, or the goal was not sinning anymore, and well, you know, What's the goal of your marriage? When when you when you marry a woman you love, is the goal 25 years or 
right. 50 years or there's no goal. It's just like we've decided we're going to do this. And so that's with us and God, if it be just becomes the goal is joy in the journey, then everything that gets produced out of that is on time. And everything that gets produced out of that is organic in him. And so we rush it, you know, every expression we rush. So the the key that most Christians would probably say they're missing in their life is enough time. And God's trying to tell us, you got more time than you. <laughs> That's why he's disbanding some of these messages we've heard because they all tell us we don't have the time. And and he's telling us, you got more time than, I mean, like what, what we hear, I mean, time's a lie. You know, God's trying to say, I'm, I'm not even there, mm. <laughs> you know, in the time. And you, you're saying you don't have enough of something I don't even need. Mm. And so how could that be possible that I don't have enough of something God doesn't even need or use? I don't have enough of it. That wow. would be, wouldn't be possible. So I'm, I'm not, I've had some conversations with friends about it. Like one of my buddies is, he's a little older than I am. I'm 41 now and he's, uh, you know, a comedian and trying to break into some things and we even write some stuff together and have been presenting some stuff to people and he finally called me one day and he's like god spoke to me and i realized we got time you know mm. it's like so when that settles in then all that works over and it's just you're having you're in joy again and god spoke to me and said follow the joy he's like i want you to follow the joy oh that's good and it, like a bunch of people follow a paycheck or a bunch of people follow what they think is going to satisfy them or a bunch of people follow. If you follow the joy, you know, you'll be all right. So this has kind of been a goal and there's just no joy in the rush. There's no joy in the, in the stress of it. Uh, circumstances out of your control bring you enough stress mm. already, <laughs> you yeah. know, adding to it and it doesn't do any good. That's so uh, simple and so beautiful. Like that's, when you look at nature, if you, you look at a flower, you walk through the forest, you don't, there's no rushing of anything. Mm -hmm. There's no, there's just existing and existing in the middle of beauty. And uh, the thing with us as people is we do have this thing called choice where we can choose to rush things. A flower doesn't really have a choice. It's just going to be a flower. Mm -hmm. It's just going to grow at its pace and be beautiful. And... I, I think sometimes, especially, you know, our culture is, it's only gotten more fast paced as I've, I mean, I'm your age, based on 40. When I was a kid, you know, we didn't, the internet wasn't a thing. It wasn't, there was no instantaneous information. My parents bought an encyclopedia set when I was in like the fourth or fifth grade. And mm -hmm. we had, you know. You had to wait to watch a TV show. Yeah. Like I got to wait till next Thursday. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> like that concept yeah. is gone. <laughs> I was Dukes of Hazard on Friday nights, man. It was like, absolutely. So there's not much waiting that gets, uh, gets sort of sent to us in message form. Now everything is more instant, but living is, is not, it's not about, you know, sticking a dinner in the microwave and having it ding in, in a minute 30. It's about enjoying the cooking. You know, that's so beautiful. I don't think we can hear enough of that. Yeah, I think it's why, I, I mean, I do cook barbecue over <laughs> real wood and smoke and there's something about this piece of meat taking 12 hours to cook before it might be ready, you mm. know, and you're just kind of laboring and 
mm. stoking fire and adding wood. And then, you know, by the time it's done, you form this relationship with this piece of meat that, you know, so there's something about it. I, everything that gets slowed down, I'm, at this point, I'm for it. I've been in different places in life, but I'll fly fishing as much as I can. And that's just about being there in nature. It's about, it's about that you went. It's not about that how well you did or you, you know, it's just a different, a different attitude, a different viewpoint. So just collecting as much of that as possible to the town I live in. We moved from Phoenix, Arizona when I was almost 16 to Kanawha, Oklahoma, where we are now, there's 1200 people there. You know, mm. there's no, no street light in our town. There's no, it was just a total from fast pace to slow pace, you know? Yeah. Um, so I think, I'd be foolish not to try and hear the lessons in that, whatever God has for me. For somebody else out there, they're probably killing it in the fast-paced game, you know. Yeah. Um, their side of Disneyland there, they've been, they've hit every ride 20 times in one day and <laughs> nailed it, you know, and loved yeah. it. And they're, they're going out, but it's not really the way I'm doing it. You know, when I, I don't know if you've experienced this. When I was younger, I was about 20, I moved to New York City, studied acting for a couple of years, and then went to film school. I absolutely loved it. I love the city. I love the pace. I love the people. I love the energy and the vibe. And I have very good friends that live there. Now, um, as I've gotten older, I find now I love, uh, when I go outside, even I work a lot on a computer, but when I walk outside and just smell the grass and the trees and I'm in a suburb, I'm not even in the country. I grew up in Maine in real country, but even just getting outside to a park and being around nature, there's something there's something that it does to me on the inside. You know, I just feel different. I feel a little lighter, a little better. Yeah, I don't think people get enough of that. Yeah, I don't think we do, especially in our country. I have a friend that just went to Australia. He came back saying, man, people are outside all the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and everybody, Australia, it's that way. Uh, we go to Greece some and minister out there, and everybody's on a scooter if they're mm. going anywhere. So you're even outside when you're driving somewhere, you know, <laughs> and, and everyone's outside. Like, uh, we were in Athens and did the, the walk. I was on Mars Hill and where Paul preached the message, the unknown God and all that is really cool. But then we came down and the whole street filled up with people mm. and we were like, what's going on? Cause one of our buddies that lived there and he was showing us the ropes. He's like, well, it's whatever time. I don't remember if it was like two o'clock. It's like everything just closes and they all come outside and have coffee. Mm. It's like, so there's just hundreds of people wow. sitting at tables, drinking coffee. And then it's like, that's what they're doing. You know? Yeah. It's like, this, all right, this is pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so mm. they were getting part of that, you know. I love that. I was, uh, I was in Maine for Christmas and I, I got so inspired. I was at my dad's for about Oh, almost two weeks. And I just got hit with simple truth after simple truth up there. It was like very magical. Like the, it, everything slowed down. And one night I remember I was or morning, I'm looking out the window, I'm looking at a tree and it's very peaceful and very silent. And I realized that after everything else disappears, after there's no TV, after there's no war, after there's no, loud, you know, radio after there's no arguing after everything else is gone. We do all this stuff, but what's left is just this peace. The, the peace 
doesn't go away. It's there all the time in mm. the middle of everything we're doing, but we don't pay attention to it enough. So that's what we get caught up in doing a lot of times. What's the benefit at the end of it? Is it more money in the bank or is it, you know? Maybe. Yeah, maybe it is. <laughs> well, maybe not, you know. I, that's It's work for some people maybe, but. Yeah. But most of what we're looking for is like what you're talking about. It's there, but we're looking for it in something else instead of, mm. you know, the person of there's a big worldwide search for truth, mm. you know, and it's a person and there's a search for peace and it's a person instead of, and that person's the one who's got more time than all. He outlasts us, you know, mm. like, all right, when you're done arguing, you're, uh, I'm still here. You know, when you're, when you're mm. done looking for the peace, I'm still here. It's just, he is my peace. He is the truth. He is, so we, we try and manufacture it, look for it somewhere else and he's, it's just a revelation I had a few years ago of just everlasting God. He was mm. like, Nathan, I just I outlast you, you know. So whatever you, <laughs> when your love runs out, I'm, I'm there. When you're, you don't have grace for this, it runs out. I'm there. You know, I'm outlasting. So I'm not concerned about what rises and what comes up because I was there in the beginning and I'll be there when this is done. You know, so in that there's peace. I've just realizing all right i'm i'm in it now and it's hit the fan now but there's something with me now that's also on the other side of this that's the, the he's the constant that's so refreshing like that someone else other than you or me is <laughs> it's got everything on their shoulders <laughs> not on mine yeah <laughs> oh that's fantastic Thanks for listening to this episode of Let's Explore. If you'd like to listen to Nathan Isaac's music, which I definitely recommend, you can find him on Apple Music, on Spotify, on YouTube. If you just search Nathan Isaacs on any of those platforms, his album uh, will pop up. He has a live album on there right now. There's also a link in the description of this podcast that you can use to find his music. If you'd like to connect with us here at Let's Explore, send us a message, send me a message. The easiest way to do it is through Facebook. If you go to Facebook and just search Let's Explore, uh, you'll see the logo pop up and you can find the page that way. You can like the page. Um, all the new episodes come out on that page. You can send us a message directly through that page, which we will receive and love to hear from you. We're, wherever you're listening from, we'd love to, love to know and uh, connect with you that way. And next time on Let's Explore, I'm so excited for this next conversation. It's one of my favorite that I've recorded so far. It's with Jared Allen, and he's a licensed counselor. He's been doing that a long time. He was also an associate pastor for many years, so he's got a lot of insight on what makes people tick. And I sort of just went for the jugular and asked the questions I always wanted to ask as far as what causes people to be healthy or unhealthy uh, from a mental standpoint, from even a spiritual standpoint. And we, he said some things that I so, so enjoyed. When I recorded the podcast, I got done and I immediately um, shared it with my mom because uh, that same day, because 
there's such nuggets of truth in it. I'm so excited for you to listen to that next episode. And uh, I think you're really going to enjoy it. So be on the lookout for that. It'll be out within a week. And we'll see you next time.